0: I'm Sarah Elizabeth Smith, and this is the Theosophia Podcast, a platform for women's voices in theology. You can check out our Patreon page at patreon.com Theosophia. Consider donating to this Labor of Love Project for Women's Empowerment. Happy Advent, everybody. Week three of Advent has been pretty crazy. Getting my kids ready for finals and finishing up last minute details as I rushed out of town to go skiing in Breckenridge, Colorado. I'm so excited to get a whole week to play in the snow with my friends and spend some time with my church community here in Breckenridge. Father Charlie and the community at St. John's has been really, really wonderful to me. Every time I come to town, I get to jump right in and and worship and share with them, so I look forward to seeing them soon. And exciting news, y'all. I'll be doing a live podcast at the Q Christian Fellowship Conference in Chicago on January 11th and 12th. I'll be interviewing the wonderful Nicole Garcia, a trans Latina from Boulder, Colorado, who is a counselor psychologist and candidate for Holy Orders in the Lutheran tradition. So if any of y'all are around the Chicago area that weekend, you can get a discount to attend the conference by using the code in all caps PODCAST19. I can't wait to see some of y'all there and get Theosophia out among the people. It should be a really awesome time. And there will be an entire stage and room dedicated to podcasting. So I'll be there amongst some other really amazing progressive Christian podcasts out there right now, like Queerology and Lord Have Mercy and the Kaleidoscope Project. I cannot wait. All right, y'all, I'm going to jump right into today's episode because it's a big one for Theosophia. It's our one-year anniversary of the Theosophia podcast. And to celebrate this wonderful accomplishment, I asked my very, very best friend and soul brother, Philip Wyrick, to interview me about the year. Philip and I have been pretty much inseparable since freshman year of high school. He has walked with me through this entire process and has been my biggest fan and confidant. So I thought it would be more than fitting to have him chat with me for this special episode. Philip is a doctoral candidate at IU Bloomington in the Linguistics Department and a lover of all things philosophy, theology, and rich intellectual conversation. I have a lot of new exciting things to share in this episode, so let's get going.
1: So I can't believe it's been a year already, uh, really snuck up on us. Um, but man, you've been doing Theosophia for a whole year now, and that is really awesome. You've had some great guests on, um, uh, gotten to talk about some really cool topics with some really cool people. And uh, I assume that since we're doing the, uh, you're doing the one year anniversary of Theosophia, you're planning on keeping it going for the foreseeable future, right?
0: I think it would be a really good idea to do that Mm -hmm. because I feel like I haven't scratched the surface of giving women a platform for their voices. I think that should be something that happens forever. (laughs) I don't know if I'll be at the helm of that forever, but I think right now podcasting is such a niche thing to do and it's getting bigger. I'm a little annoyed actually with how many podcasts there are out there. Like I can't, It's so overwhelming. I can't keep up with them, but yeah, I have so many ideas to make this better and more streamlined Mm -hmm. and, you know,
1: well, before we get into that, into the, into the future, um, I just wanted to ask you uh, like, what was your motivation for getting the podcast started in the first place?
0: Mm -hmm. I think women's voices are historically been silenced and marginalized and they continue to be that way a lot of times in our culture, especially in the realm of religion and theology. And again, podcasting is such a cool, unique thing that people share information and communicate with the world or their constituents and I just thought it would make a lot of sense to start just interviewing women, hearing their stories, listening to their work, what they're doing, what they're passionate about, and start pushing that out there. And I think um, that is still my motivation, and I've gotten such good feedback that I, I don't foresee slowing down anytime soon.
1: Cool. Cool. I mean I think this is just really awesome what you've what you've been able to do what what drove you to put the podcast together Uh okay so listeners won't know that you know we've been best friends for uh I was thinking the other day it, it's uh, been over half our lives that we've been uh really close um mm-hmm. so um I would like to push back against one thing that you said there I hope mm-hmm. you don't mind um, so you said that historically um women's voices have been you know, marginalized. And that's certainly that's certainly true in a lot of cases. Um but are like aren't there times when uh and, and aren't there ways in which women's voices have been well heard throughout history?
0: Yeah. Yeah. They seem to be outlying examples, I think, of some of the mothers of the church, like Julian of Norwich. Like her writings were published and well-known and like certain random women's figures throughout history. I think of Anne Frank and her diaries or Joan of Arc or the queen of England throughout time. I mean, different sorts of like super prominent women who kind of, for whatever reason, were independently wealthy. Usually I think of some of the Queens of Africa who we know, um, who are really instrumental in the public life and the development of certain countries, but like they're they're not that many. Yeah, so I agree with you. But
1: so so those those are the kinds of voices too that you're interested in in getting out is mm-hmm. is reminding people that there have been these wonderful women throughout history whose voices have been heard, mm-hmm. and you know maybe we forget about them or or they're they're talked about less, but. Um, so this is, this is a good platform for, uh, for those voices to be heard as well.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Right. So, uh, having done the podcast for a year, I'm sure you've learned a few things along the way. Um, can you tell me some of the things that Theosophy has taught you?
0: It's taught me to be really organized. (laughs) (laughs) I'm, you know, I feel like I'm a planner, but if you're going to make something Really concise and really methodically, like every once a week on a Monday morning, have something produced and ready to go. I mean, I've had to be on my A game and that's, that's been a huge challenge, but a good one in terms of being a professional and producing something that's polished and edited and the best I know how to do. I think keeping things super professional and clean has been really important to me. Um, And just wider in my life as I've grown up and had to become an adult, you know, and wear big girl pants every day and have to show up and be on my A game. That's the same thing I'm trying to do in the podcast. Like I want it to be something people that can respect and they do respect as a professional product. And I want it to grow, and I don't want it to be. I guess I've too. Like, I've learned from listening to other podcasts things I like and I don't like. And for me, I don't like to spend a lot of time, you know, having willy nilly chit chat. I really like to get down to business, and I've started doing more personal intros because people are interested in my life and what I'm up to. And I think it's just cool to kind of have a historical narrative going along of what I'm doing in my life and where things are taking me because this is about my voice too and I can't forget that and what I'm doing with my life is just as important as what everyone else is doing with their life and could be a source of inspiration to women and you know I'm into all the things and I think it's interesting and people find it interesting so I've started doing that and I think that's helpful um and I also um, wanted to share, I had the my high school students, we have a business and entrepreneurial class at Heritage Hall, which one of my close friends, Dylan Sullivan, uh, teaches. And he invited me to spend three whole days in class kind of lecturing about my podcast, letting them answer questions and teaching them about kind of the podcasting world and how to, How I've been kind of hitting a specific niche, and then they were to report back to me on their marketing, I guess, expertise and kind of give me things to work on and action items of how to market better and utilize my social media better, all the things, right? So they taught me so much, just little, little things I could do better with Instagram or Twitter or thinking about doing a YouTube page. I mean, they were fantastic so that was a really cool experience and you know part of being an educator like having access to young people um to help me because they they know so much more than i do about especially social media um it's kind of passing us by even though me and you are on on the very like beginning of Uh, the millennials we're millennials like barely right yeah. So it was so cool to kind of do a case study on Theosophia and get their wonderful insights. Even though I'm there's still like I think I taught them a lot too, so it was really a cool back and forth.
1: Yeah, it was mutual. Yeah. So so that's one way that that people have been engaged with the podcast. Are there are there other ways that people have been engaging with the podcast?
0: Um I have gotten a lot of personal emails or direct messages, whether it be on Facebook or Instagram, from listeners either thanking me, usually thanking me for my work and what I'm doing and encouragement, a lot of encouragement. Keep going. This is needed. Um, I've had people reach out to me like, I want to be on the podcast. And I'm like, great. When can we set up an interview? So I love all that interaction. I think... I, that's something I could do better at, but is um, something that's difficult to find time for is constantly engaging with people because obviously I have a full-time job and um, have a lot of other things I need to be engaging with. But yeah, that's been the majority of my engagement.
1: So uh, after covering what you've done in the last year, I'm wondering what's, uh, what's in store for Theosophia uh, in the
0: next year great question. So I'm partnering with a very dear friend of mine, Kelsey Davis. We have known each other for gosh, over a decade now. And she, similar to me, played college athletics and studied theology at a, a Catholic institution, actually the the Sister School of Notre Dame Portland University. And we have been just soul sisters ever since um friends of ours connected us and seeing that we both loved sports and theology. And anyway, she eventually came, I convinced her to come to Vanderbilt and do her divinity degree as well. And she's been wanting to do something in terms of a podcast. And I was like, well, why don't you not recreate the wheel? Why don't you just help me with what I'm doing and I'll let you do whatever you want. So we've had, You know, multiple conversations and are brainstorming together and decided that it would be a really good fit. So we're still having our brainstorming sessions and trying to plan out next year, but I'm so excited to bring kind of a teammate on to do this because it's really been just me, which has been fine, and I've learned a lot, and I think I've kind of gotten out all the kinks and know how podcasting works now so that Kelsey doesn't have to learn all that i can deal with all the kind of little details but having another person to create content with to dream with to you know just theologize with and also to like her network of people and who she knows like it just casts the net that much wider for the podcast's audience and i think what i've been yearning for and missing as time's gone on with the podcast, is just another, you know, synergetic person to put more beauty and constructive work in motion. And I am so pumped to have her as a conversation partner and a teammate with this, because I think it's going to be that much better and easier for me too, um, in terms of my time and commitment to all this work. So it's going to be really, really fantastic.
1: So cool. and exciting change coming to Theosophia next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, when can we expect to hear from Kelsey first? you have any
0: timeline on that? You know, the first, I actually interviewed her and her wife about, we did a kind of a, you know, mini series on marriage. And that's going to be coming out, I think, at the beginning of the year. So that'll be a cool way to introduce her and hear from her. And then we will start producing stuff together soon after that. So the beginning of the year is when that's going to start. And we've already started planning um, a live podcast that we're going to do in California. She's a curate in the Diocese of El Camino in the Episcopal Church in in California. So we're going to do um, a live podcast early this summer with her bishop, hopefully. So we're rolling, we're moving, we're doing stuff, we're planning and it's it's going to be a really cool, productive year. Cool.
1: And uh, just kind of going along with that, um, are there any things you're going to be doing to promote the podcast in the future? Any events you're going to or mm-hmm. any live shows?
0: Yeah. So one of the big things that made me a little less mobile last year. And I've talked about this on the podcast is um, my goal of getting out of grad school debt. So there were several things I had to say no to last year in terms of kind of traveling with the Sophia and being visible and in different conferences and communities. But this year is different since I'm out of debt and, and to have been, thank you, been more established in my teaching job and kind of, figuring out how to schedule things around teaching and coaching. Um, So obviously doing things on Christmas break in the summer, spring break, fall break. Um, But there's a couple of really cool things. I know I'll do the first big one that's coming up in a month in January, 2019 in Chicago. I'm going to the Q Christian Fellowship Conference and I will be doing a live podcast there with a really wonderful woman named Nicole Garcia. She's a licensed counselor psychologist, a trans woman, um, a Latina, and is in the middle of getting ordained in the Lutheran tradition in Colorado. So I'm really looking forward to that and just being around a bigger community of people and getting Theosophia some more recognition because there's going to be a bunch of other podcasters there as well and a whole stage and room dedicated to live podcasts throughout the conference. So I think that'll be really fun. So that's the first thing. I know I've really wanted to get out to the Wild Goose Festival, which is a really neat organization of progressive Christian ministries and people. I know podcasters were out there this summer, but I just couldn't swing it with my work schedule, but that's something I hope to get out to this summer. That's every summer. And And where is it? It's usually in North Carolina.
1: So you have big things coming for Theosophia. Um, Mm -hmm. So uh, I I know that one of the other things that you're doing right now is you're considering the priesthood. Mm -hmm. Isn't that right? Yes. So if like, first off, um, like just so we're on the same page, like what, what is that process like? And like, I don't know, maybe more importantly, why is that something that you want to do? Is it a calling or something you feel an obligation to your community Mm -hmm. or do you just feel like you have this education and these experiences that you need to share?
0: Mm -hmm. Tell me
1: more about the priesthood.
0: Great question. I think it first starts with, I do feel a call. Um, a divine call from God um, in my heart and my soul that that's the work I must do in the world. And it's been something that's been growing and cultivating in me since I was a little kid, I would say. And I've been really, I, I'm going to use the words, obsessed and possessed with my theological uh, curiosity and intellectual stimulation of my faith since I can remember. So it's something that I think as I've grown as a young woman has just taken different forms. You know, at first it was like, I wanted to be a theologian. I wanted to go to school and study and get all the degrees and read all the things and write all the papers. And, you know, going to grad school at Vanderbilt was really eye-opening, especially when I got on the ground and Worked in a church for the first time and had people affirm me and my gifts and talents and said, Sarah, you should really think about the priesthood. And I thought that was hilarious at first because I've had such a tumultuous relationship with the church. But I realized through my discernment and walking through all this with different people that I don't think it's necessarily the church I was. I've had a tough time with it's the people in the church which you could argue well to say that is the church but you know I think it's just really specific people or groups of people that have made my time difficult not necessarily my relationship with God I don't think that's ever been a thing that's changed for me but anyways the priesthood in my tradition the episcopal tradition is very lengthy and time consuming there's a lot of checks and balances that happen and hoops to jump through education and I was saying on a couple podcasts ago, like just the paperwork I have to fill out, just the application is 20 pages long. So you can imagine I'm pretty verbose. So I can only imagine what like I send them back will probably be like 50 pages. So that in and of itself um, is kind of the story in my body of work, just the paperwork and them getting to know me and why I want to do this. But a lot of it, like I said, it's discerned in community. And I've already been discerning in community probably the last four or five years. And now, like, officially becoming an aspirant June 1st is just kind of the official title of I'm doing discernment in my church community. And then I will do it with the bishop and his committee. And I've already done a lot of education, so I think this will go Relatively fast for me compared to other people who, you know, will have to usually get sent off to seminary for three years. I've already done that, so I think um, it shouldn't take as long. And going back to what I said earlier, I, I I just feel this is my life, my life's work. I do have all this knowledge, but I believe in it, and it's something I think has the potential to make the world a better place. In my heart is for serving others and whatever line of work I'm in, if I'm not serving others, like on the ground directly, I don't feel like I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it fills me up and it gives me a sense of purpose and direction in my life. And I do think because I flourish in the, those spaces, that is a direct indication to me. That is what God's work for me in the world is. And I, I think that's for anyone, whatever gives you life and makes you come alive and you are your best self is where
1: God wants you to be. Well, one thing that you mentioned a little bit ago was your tumultuous relationship with the church. And, um, and I know that you've mentioned this, um, at various times, uh, on the podcast, but, um, in the context, uh, in the context of joining the priesthood, um, and, and reflecting back on the difficult times that you've had in the church. Um, why, uh, why, why do you want to be a part of something that, that uh, caused a lot of pain in your life?
0: Mm-hmm. I think because I've seen that it's caused the same pain in so many other people. And like I said, my relationship with God and my desire for spirituality and religion is a very it's been a very primal thing. It's something that's just always been inside of me and helps me organize my life and understand the purpose and why I'm here, what we're doing, what I'm supposed to do with my life. And lots of humans are like this. I don't I'm not alone in this, but seeing how the church can be yes, a place that's been very destructive. And I don't and again, I think it's destructive because of the people. I don't think the purpose of the church is supposed to be destructive. But I've also seen how church goes, functions very well and very healthy and it's helps people heal and find meaning in community and family. Um, and the rituals it provides people, the, the liturgical season gives people a rhythm to their world and the biggest thing community and relationships and a place of belonging and love those are the that's why church has to exist and when it's done right it can really bring a lot of broken people together and help one another live as authentically and holistically as possible so i guess i'm just interested in doing church right and doing it well in a holistic way that really nurtures people in their spirits and meets them where they're at and provides spaces where people can come and grieve and be broken and struggle and ask questions. And we're there as clergy to help them and hold them along the way. I don't think church is supposed to give you all the answers or make everything right, but I think it it's a place of community where people can just love on each other And sure, like as a a trained theologian and a a clergy member one day, I have the language and the tools to frame things in a theological way that gives people hope and hopefully healing too. And like I said, space for all of life's messiness. Um, The church should be a space for all of that. You know, we don't just jump to Easter. We have Good Friday too. So yeah, I see it as a really beautiful thing. Um even though I know it it's definitely been used for a lot of pain and shame and hatred, but screw all, like I I'm not interested in that stuff. I'm interested in creating beautiful things.
1: So how does uh how does Theosophia contribute to to this vision that you have of of, of how the how the church ought to be.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's another ministry. Theosophia is absolutely my ministry and a, another way in which I do church and connect people and bring people together. Um, it's just the wider Christian church. And it doesn't even have to, I mean, you know, Christian. Shoot, I, I want everyone to be a part of my church. I don't care if you're Christian or not. Yeah, I mean, like I said, the emails I get and the affirmations I get of this this is helping me through this time. No one's ever talked about God this way before. This is just, it's helping me deconstruct my old notions of faith. I've had people say, I've gotten back into my faith because of your podcast. You know, I didn't know how to talk to God. I've had such bad experiences with the church. I just, I didn't think it was for me anymore, but you made me realize, no, it is. And there's other places that I can find community and love and meaning. And I hope, you know, that's what I see the podcast ultimately doing. And it's not just for women. I just think women's voices are a vehicle through which God speaks that like the world needs to hear more of. But that doesn't mean that men can't, can you know be a part of that and consume that and grow from it and that's why I thought it would be important also for you and I to have this conversation because you've walked with me through this experience from day one and this doesn't happen you know I am because we are right the old African proverb like I don't exist without men in my life and men are super important I don't want to forget that and not include men and I've always said I would love to have men on the podcast as long as what we're talking about is women's voices and theology that's fine um I just that hasn't really happened yet, and that's cool. I'm sure it will, but you know acknowledging that uh the men in my life have a huge huge influence in who I am and holding me up um, is super important to me and you being kind of like the number one so and we're good at conversation right (laughs)
1: yes (laughs) um
0: so sarah you're doing such cool
1: work here and um uh you know i've just i've seen you grow through theosophia over this last year um and and even the the six months uh leading up to actually starting it um and you're you're doing some really cool work and I'm super proud of everything that you're doing, not just Theosophia, but everything you're doing in your church community and building your career. I, I'm sure that other people feel uh very similarly. And um like how like what can we as a community do? Uh how can people support Theosophia and just women's voices and theology in general?
0: hmm Mm-hmm. Great question. Well, first, you can get onto our Patreon page and donate, which you do, Philip. Thank you so much for supporting Theosophia of course. financially. And that's what, always helpful.
1: What does what does donating on Patreon do to, to help you and to help support Theosophia?
0: Yeah. Um, well, right now, like this is just a labor of love and I don't, you know, receive much financial support and there are financial things. Not only my time, I believe is valuable and I should get paid as should everyone else for a skill and a service you provide the world. Like that just has to happen in order for people to survive. Um, But there's basic costs besides my time and expertise, like hosting the website costs money monthly, hosting the actual files on a Audio service that hosts the podcast files to be, you know, transported out into the world on all the different podcast mediums. Uh, it's a hosting site, and um, those are the two big things right now. And obviously, if I had more resources and time, we could do more and put more money into different things. But like, like I, you know, this weekend, like I'm flying to Chicago, or in a couple of weeks, I'm flying to Chicago, and doing Theosophia live and that's coming out of my pocket. So um, there's all sorts of ways money does help <laughs> fund <laughs> what I'm doing and what Kelsey and I will be doing next year to get the, the wider message out of women's voices.
1: Well, Sarah, I just think it's, uh, I think it's so cool what you've, what you've put together here and um, I, you know I've, I've really enjoyed, um, being friends with you for so long and, and, uh, and being so close. Um, you know, just sharing so much of my life with you has been, uh, a, a blessing <laughs> they say. Um, and, uh, man, you're doing, you're doing so many great things and Theosophy is one of them. And I, you know, I just I wish you the best as you as you go on with this. I'm really looking forward to see um, what the future has in store, and um, you know, just uh, best of luck as you continue on with uh, Theosophia and the rest of the wonderful things that you're doing. Thank you. Dear. And also thank you for inviting me onto the podcast. It's uh, it's a really big honor to to be on this um, yeah. with you, and I, I thank you for for trusting me with the uh, with the one year anniversary episode
0: yes i have one question for you okay what do you like about theosophia what have you learned or what what do you appreciate about it for our male listeners out there so
1: first off just the topics that you cover are things that i haven't heard elsewhere um uh and 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 it's, it's Honestly, it's not because um it's not because women's voices are suppressed, it's just because um like you don't get to hear somebody's story unless you ask them about it. Mm-hmm. And you've asked people to tell their stories. I love the format that you have in the show where uh in the first episode it's kind of more personal about the the person you're interviewing. Um And then, and then in the second half, you, you ask some of, you know, you talk about some issue that they're, uh, you know, particularly expert in. Um, and yeah, just, just being a platform where people, anyone's voices can be heard is amazing. And, you know, the, the fact, honestly for me, the fact that they're, they're women's voices is somewhat, uh, incidental to just the great work that these, that these people are doing. So I'm Mm -hmm. glad that you have this platform. That's, um, that's available to, just for people to, um, to, to share something about themselves and, and to you know, share something about the world as they see it as well.
0: Thanks again, Philip, for taking the time to interview me for the one-year anniversary of Theosophia, and thank you for cheering me along and encouraging me to pursue my passions. Again, y'all, if you want to come hang out with me and the other lovely folks at the Q Christian Fellowship Conference in Chicago 11th and 12th, the discount code is PODCAST19. You can find Theosophia on all the social media platforms, and be sure to stop by our Patreon page and consider supporting this Labor of Love podcast. We will see y'all next week for a lovely conversation with Kelsey Davis and her wife, Heather. Until then, have a wonderful week. Peace.